joining Health Affairs this week. I'm Vabren Watts. And I'm Ryan Tanap. So you'll be hearing from the health equity team more this year. We will try our best to give you stories that really have a health equity spin onto it. And I would just like to say uh, Happy New Year, because this is the first time that you have heard my voice uh, this new year. And Ryan, I will say over the past month, even though last month was another year, it all seems like the same because we've been really busy within the health equity department here at Health Affairs. Yes, we have. <laughs> I don't think yes. there was a, a down season for us. <laughs> no, no, it, no, it was not. Like, I would definitely say it seems like November, December was like one of some of the busiest months. I know, like, Ron, you were getting ready, you know, to plan out everything for um, the 2023 year and what we're going to do. And then we um, really just uh, closed, uh, closed out the year with our uh, Health Equity Fellowship for Trainees. Uh, we did have a session which included uh, attorney Daniel Dawes, who really spoke to our fellows about, you know, being a health equity researcher and then just the history of structural racism within the U.S. Right. And we also had a session with Courtney McClooney, talked to us about uh, rest uh, as a, a means for resistance and yes. uh, <laughs> in, in, in our work in, in diversity, equity, inclusion and health equity in, in particular. Yes. And, 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 you know, that, that is needed, like that whole rest and recovery. And like you said, rest as a means of resistance. So make sure for 2023, if you have not made out your New Year's resolution, um, really incorporate um, taking time to rest um, in there. It, it will definitely benefit you. Um, so, so, you know, Ryan, so, you know, this week we have to talk about something that happened this week. Yeah. So Friday, last Friday, uh, the FDA approved a new drug, new Alzheimer's drug called Lecanemab, which will be sold as Lecambi. It was actually approved through an accelerated approval process. And according to the trials conducted by the developers, the drug actually slows cognitive decline in patients in the early stages of Alzheimer's. And I mean, you and I have noticed this treatment has been getting a lot of news buzz. Why is that? So, you know, interestingly, so when I first heard this, I was actually on the treadmill at the gym Monday morning. That's when it um, actually came out. But it was actually, you know, um, accelerated on, on Friday, as you said. So in a previous life, uh, when I was a science journalist <laughs> full time, I used to report on a lot of clinical trials for Alzheimer's drugs. Let's just say <laughs> that over the past two decades, research and development for Alzheimer's drugs have had a 99.6% failure rate. I mean, some organizations and some news media outlets just really just round that up to 100. So, so you know, I, I remember, you know, when I used to, you know, start, you know, tracking these drugs and their development, it would take like a few months to a year, and then all of a sudden the trials were halted. Um, the outcomes were not there, you know, as it relates to these drugs over, that was probably the with over the past eight years, um, this, this, those outcomes did not really advance the field of Alzheimer's treatment. So now that this m new drug has made it through an accelerated approval process, it's it's really, would you say, encouraging? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I mean, it made it through the accelerated approval process, but yet it's still not fully approved by the FDA. And so, you know, some people, you know, may not know what the accelerated approval process is. 
Um, so the accelerated approval pathway, it actually allows for drugs with, uh, that address serious conditions um, that also fill an unmet medical need to be approved based on a surrogate endpoint. And in this case, the surrogate endpoint is the, I believe it's called a beta amyloid plaque. Um, you know what? That is correct. Yeah, this um, they've really been looking at how beta amyloid plaques um, really um, impact Alzheimer's. It is a hallmark to Alzheimer's disease. And like they have been creating drug after drugs, really looking at beta amyloid plaques and a few other um, hallmark um um, mar biomarkers uh, for Alzheimer's disease, but this is one that has really been in the um, in, in in the forefront. So, with the new drug, um, lucanumab, the drug is given as a monoclonal antibody infusion every two weeks. And um, just so everyone know that the new drug, lucanumab, is not a cure. Right. It's it's not a cure, but it may give those with Alzheimer's more time with loved ones. I also read that the drug won't be widely available anytime soon. Yeah, so so the drug actually comes out in like two weeks. It's supposed to come out the week of the uh, 23rd. And, but however, Ivan Chong, who is the U.S. chairman and CEO of ISI, uh, said that the expected cost for the drug is 25000 a year per patient. That is quite pricey. And then to, to add to that, as of April 2022, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS as we know it, they do not allow coverage of FDA-approved treatments for target amyloid in the brain. The only exception is if an individual is enrolled in an approved clinical trial. Isn't Alzheimer's one of the leading causes of death for older adults? Exactly. You know, the, you know, the CDC says that Alzheimer's is the fifth leading cause of death uh, for adults 65 and older in the U.S., and it is the seventh um, leading cause of deaths for all adults. An estimated 6.5 million Americans over 65 live with Alzheimer's disease. In other words, one in nine million, million Americans over 65 has the disease in the U.S., and of those 6.5 million around 1 million have early stage Alzheimer's. So what about historically marginalized populations? How does this impact them? So Black Americans and those who are part of the Hispanic Latino community have the highest rates of Alzheimer's disease and other dementias. And when or if individuals from these populations get diagnosed, it's usually at the um, later stages of the disease. So when it comes to this new drug that is coming out that is really looking at early onset and does not reverse brain damage or memory loss, it sort of makes you wonder if inequities will arise as it relates to which populations will receive it or who would be more you know, prominent to, you know, to, you know, to receive this drug treatment. This is on top of a recent Alzheimer's Association report stating one third of black Americans and one fifth of Hispanics, as well as Asian Americans, perceive discrimination as a potential barrier for assessing Alzheimer's care. So I want to emphasize that point, babe. This is the case for healthcare across the board. There really is a cultural lack of trust in the healthcare system, especially among historically marginalized populations, like you just listed. That distrust stems from structural racism, which is rooted in many of the systems throughout our country, really. Right. You know what? This was outlined in February 22 issue, Racism and Health. You know, that, that, that was one of health affairs, like uh, popular issues. 
And, you know, whether if the racism stems from experience with discrimination while navigating complex health settings, low personal health literacy rate, transportation barriers, or socioeconomic status, there are many factors that may prevent access to care, particularly among marginalized populations. You know, one of the things that, you know, Ryan, that you're working on is really, as I sort of mentioned, like the low health literacy rates. And I know that you're, you know, providing programs and like education to really try to increase uh, health literacy. And I know you also talked about what personal health literacy plans and organizational health literacy plans. Right. There's there's a lot of a lot to dig in there, um, but there's definitely a lot of factors I think we need to keep in mind when we're, um, you know, advancing health equity and, and um, particularly um, as it relates to this new drug. I wanted to emphasize you know, that concern you had, like, who is going to have access to? Exactly. So before we wrap up this episode, um, we hope that you all have a restful Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which is next Monday, the 16th. And uh, we're also honoring National Day of Racial Healing on the 17th. It happens every year on the Tuesday following MLK Day, and it's a time to come together, inspire collective action, and create a more just and equitable world which I think really speaks to the work that we do, babe. Oh, yes, exactly. So, you know, we would just like to say thanks for listening to another episode of Health Affairs this week. If you like the podcast, tell a friend, leave a review, or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. I'm Vabren Watts. And I'm Ryan Tanap. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.